Pyatt. I'm Nathan Hearn, driver number 29 in both the S5000 and Trans Am Racing Series. You're listening to the Podium Podcast. This is the podium where we celebrate the best from the world of motorsport. And we're joined right now with one of the rising talents to watch out for in Australian motorsport. He's only 18. He's competing in the S5000 Championship and also the National Trans Am Series. It is, of course, Nathan Hearn. Nathan, thanks so much for joining us on the podium. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's uh, yeah, pretty cool to be on this podcast. So, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's great to have you on. Now, let's begin. You know, there might be a few listeners out there that, you know, I've heard the name, but they don't really know that much about you, Nathan Hearn. Talk about your passion for motorsport first off, and uh, where did this passion begin? Um, well, with 99% of people in motorsport uh, nowadays, sort of been generational, really. So my dad always raced, he raced Speedway for 25 years before any race go-karts. Um, and, you know, he came from real humble beginnings where you, you know, funded your own racing and um, say itself. So I think for, for blokes who, you know, fund their own racing and, and work their, their butts off to get into a seat and, and to drive. In general, the passion rules red hot. Um, and for me, you know, watching Dad and, and growing up with Dad work on, on his Speedway race cars, they had that modified, uh, you know, pretty well every night when he's not driving a truck. It was um, pretty well born and bred into me to either go into cars or go into trucks. And, and for me, I took up cars. I've, I've always loved it. I pushed around me Hot Wheels, Smashbox cars um, from when I was about two years old. Um, got my first motorbike when I was four and started riding that around. And then ever since then, uh, just been, you know, in love with anything with the motor and wheels, really. So um, got into go-karts when I was six years old and ever since then been racing and never looked back, really. Were you watching many of the races as well as a kid? Yes and no. So I, I went to all the races. I always loved going to the races, but um, I was a bit of a real short attention span kid. I wasn't one to act up or anything like that, but I'd, you know, I watched one of Dad's races throughout two laps and go out the back and start pushing me matchbox cars around the dirt. <laughs> and the so, I don't know. I don't really remember much of his racing, which, which you know, looking back and it sucks a little bit. It would have been cool to, to be able to watch his racing. Uh, back then in, in the Speedway, they had video footage from some races, but not all of them. And, and the races I went to, um, I, they never had video footage. I can't really go back and, and re-watch it, especially at the end of his career. They sort of went through a phase where, it was either on TV or it wasn't, and um, it wasn't filmed at all. And, and so I sort of missed out on the whole phase of, you know, the end phase of my dad's career. And, um, you know, there'll be blokes walking around in the in the Speedway Australia paddock nowadays who probably know more about my dad than what I can do. So it's, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a weird one that, you know, I wouldn't tra- trade it for the world. I think um, I, I just, you know, had so much of a love for cars and I always just want to be in control of one. Um, it sort of just took over, really. Well, yeah, well, you grew, up, you grew up in Lismore, which is a small country town in New South Wales, for anyone that's not aware. Now, tell us, you know, you obviously had the dad's involvement with Speedway. When did you make that decision? Look, I want to pursue motorsport as a career. And what were the first steps that you took to get involved? Well, yeah, it, it all started really by chance. My whole career, you know, I'd say to everyone, was just by chance and really by luck um, that I'm even where I am today. And, and I feel the same for everyone, really, but... Um, Dad actually had an accident in 2008 where he broke his back, uh, never meant to walk again and, and nearly killed him. Um, but at the end of the day, he survived and he started walking again. And, you know, I think it was only three months or four months after that crash, he decided to take it to a go-kart track to start off after motorsport. So I don't know if he was, you know, probably under the influence of some medication to make that rash decision. But um, 
no, look, it, it was it was cool. So they went to Lismore. Uh, they had a come and try day, and I was only, I think I was just about to turn six years old. I think it would have been July um, in 2009. Uh, uh, July 2008, sorry. Um, and I've done that day, and I was on the track by myself, and I wasn't allowed to go out with the with my sisters or anyone else. I was I was only allowed to go by myself, and just fell in love with it. As soon as I done it, fell in love with it, and and I was probably driving around about 10k an hour. But for me, I was the biggest adrenaline rush ever, and um, Ever since then, you know, Dad's sort of been on me to, to keep disciplined. Um, I never really done many other sports since I was a kid. I tried soccer and, and a few different sports like that, but um, nothing really gave me the same same high as, as driving a go-kart or, or race car. So um, I gave up all them sports and, and really pursued it. So since I've been about nine years old, uh, racing's all I've done. And, and you know, Dad, he uh, brought me up through paddock bashes and everything like that. So when I was six years old, uh, we got our first paddock basher, which is a manual home by Excel. Um, and we started mucking around with that. And by seven, I could drive a manual pretty comfortably. Um, then we got an automatic Commodore V6. And um, started mucking around with that at the paddock. And um, yeah, from there, Dad was just teaching me really speedway uh, tricks of the trade. So when I was about nine years old, I could turn the car into a slide and let go of the steering wheel and, and slide around the track just with my right foot. And, and that was probably the, the biggest skill I had when I was a kid was just throttle control. And um, and, you know, my whole career was always meant to go speedway uh, direction. I always loved speedway. I grew up in it. Um, and obviously paddock bashing, I used to do that every day after school. I'd get dropped off at the bus and leave my paddock bash down the bottom of the driveway. And then I got home from school, chuck my school bag in the back and, and go turn around the paddock and paddock basher. But, um, yeah, always wanted to go speedway. And then all this pitchman stuff sort of came out of the sky and, and started doing that and, and just fell into the traps with it, I guess. So, it's um, yeah, it's been pretty cool. And, and, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, well, you mentioned the speedway there. What actually happened there to make you move into more of the uh, tin tops and open wheeler direction? Well, it's um, yeah. So Lismore Young Guns in two thousand and sixteen. Um, I was driving down as a bloke there who wanted to put his son in Formula Ford, um, and we won that event. And he actually came to us and, and talked to us about doing Formula Ford with him. Um, the deal was not probably the best deal, I guess you could say. Um, it was sort of just to fund his son's racing by our racing as well. So we would have been paying for two cars instead of just one car. Um, and we actually got a call up from, from Shane Brown, who's Will Brown's dad. We, I grew up with Will and go-karts and, and we still got along really well with that family. Um, and Shane just said, oh, look, we're here trying to get pulling forward, try out Brett Francis first. And, um, and see where he takes you from there. And so we done test day with Brett. As soon as I drove his Formula 4, I thought this thing was the you know, most powerful car in the world and, and fell in love with it. Um, we done that test day. And then we said, oh, look, we'll come back for another test day. If I get within a, a benchmark lap time, then we'll try and race it. And next test day, I, I got within that, but also dropped about a second on it. And then after that, we um, decided we'll go racing. And, and the first round of the next year was a national series round. Our teammates at the time was uh, Harry Jones and um, Kevin Shields. So we've, we've rocked up and, and first ever Formula Ford race, I think it was my fourth ever day in the, in the car, was at a national uh, stand-down uh, Formula Ford event. And um, I couldn't get my, I couldn't actually practice or qualify with the Formula Fords because I was uh, doing my CAMS observed license testing. So my first session actually was in, it was in qualifying with the other cars and um, I came out, I think, five minutes into the session because I just finished doing my test and just got signed off my licence. Um, and managed to qualify eight. 
on debut, which is pretty cool. And then finished the weekend fourth, five on points to third. Um, and then, yeah, since then I've just sort of, you know, just been taking it as, as opportunities arise. And 2018 and 2018, we TO2 started coming to the picture and I really wanted to go to Super 2. We've done test there with Brad Jones and um, always I had that red miss to all I want to do is race Super 2 and, and we just couldn't afford to do it. So we, we saw TO2 getting around and one of my good mates, Dewey Jones, who was the media for both former Ford and TO2 at the time, or he still is for TO2. Um, he actually teed us up with Cameron Sendall and Peter Robinson and, and we talked to them and 2019 we took the punt and, and went CO2 racing and ever since then, you know, obviously the GRM deals come of it. Um, me and Dad ran the car ourselves for that year and then Dream Racing Australia picked us up in 2020. We done the Adelaide Street Circuit event and, and through that we met, well, I met Barry and Gary uh, in, in 2019 at Newcastle and Supercars. And, um, yeah, they kept an eye on me. And, and 2020 Adelaide race was probably the one that really made my career. Um, with the with the drive chart failure at the end of the first race, last lap, and then drove from last to third and second race, it, it you know, put me on Gary and Barry's radar. And, and ever since then, I've just, you know, to be honest, I've been kissing the ass of the ferry um, to, to have all the opportunities I've had so far. And, and to think that this whole Bitchman career was never meant to happen, it, it's a pretty cool thing to reflect on. Well, yeah, you mentioned there the tutelage from the Rogers family and, you know, your success in the TA2 muscle car series and whatnot and the National Trans Am series that it's known now. You've won a lot of races in these Trans Am cars. Tell me, what is it, what's the key to your success in this championship? Um, I think probably the bikes like guys, really. Um, they, they really suit a lot of different driving styles. I think if I went to a supercar uh, now, I'd... I'd wouldn't struggle, but I'd, I'd struggle to keep tyres underneath me. Um, right, tin tops are very different to drive. It's um, and especially these Trans Ams, they're not made to really uh, be a race car. That you know, you put them beside a, a Dodge Challenger in real life, and and um, and you know they handle really good in straight line and, and take off down a straight line, but breaking a core in, they're not made for. So um, I think that's what's really made these cars so popular. You know, they move around and. And they give you all sorts of weird feelings. The drivers are really fighting to drive these things. H-button gearbox. It's, you know, you have to be on top of your game 24-7. And, and for me, I think, you know, I've, I've grown up, obviously, as I said before, you know, paddock bashing and, and driving on mud and, and cars that don't really like to handle very well. And I think that's really just what teed me up with these Trans Ams. Um, I think these Trans Ams, you, can, you do a lot of steering to your feet uh, rather than your hands. Um, in the supercar, the hardest thing for me to adjust when I've done GRM test day at Winton was get to full throttle, but stop the rear sliding by the steering wheel, which was, you know, completely backwards to how I drive these things. And these things, you, you know, you steer the wheel to where you want to go, then you use your right foot to control the rear end on, on how far it rotates. And it's, um, you know, these, these things are very much like a dirt car to drive. You know, you just, you, you use your right foot to steer it, you can use your left foot to get the weight over the front, and then it's just a, it's a cool, cool car to drive. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's the... I guess you could say the um, the wide range of driving styles you can have to drive them. You know, you got Aaron Seaton, who uh, I don't think I'm saying this wrong, but drives like a princess. You know, two fingers on the wheel, <laughs> nice and real. He's can't move. Um, and then you see me ragging the thing from left and right, and and the car's never straight, and and we create the same amount of pace really. So it's um, yeah, there's, there's so many different things you can do in these cars, and they just seem to put up with the abuse and 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 give you lap time as long as you know what you're doing. So it's um. Yeah, I think obviously the team is the biggest thing. Uh, you've got to be part of the right team. And, and you know, right now I'm, I'm here at Quarter Park working with, with Cam Fisher from Dream Racing and we're just 
you know, trying to get this thing faster. Um, Aaron and Glenn have got their car cracking in qualifying, and, and that's what we're trying to find and unlock is the, is the qualifying pace. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, with motorsport, you just got to be in the right team. You know, the team can make and break here. And I've been so lucky with, with my career so far. You know, BF Racing, Brett Francis in, in Formula Ford is a really good team to be part of. Dream Racing, you know, they're also a very good team. Cam Fisher knows, knows his stuff pretty well, I'd like to say that. But um, and obviously, GRM, it's, it's you know, one of the biggest teams that's not in supercars. Well, it is the biggest team in Australia. It's not in supercars at the moment. So it's, um, yeah, I've been I've been absolutely blessed with, with the teams I've had. And, and, you know, the driver gets all the praise, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, you could put Ed and Senna in a, in a Williams F1 car at the moment and he still wouldn't be able to get the top 10. So it's, um, it's, it's it, at the end of the day, it comes down to your teams and the people you've got around you, uh, more, than, more so than what the driver actually does themselves. Yeah, well, you've mentioned a... A fair few names there. Who did you look look up to as a kid? Were there any drivers that you wanted to emulate growing up? Um, yes and no. I, I think probably obviously my dad was the biggest one. Um, he got seven Australian championships for the modifieds, and I always wanted to. He, he always told us um, probably when I was about nine to ten, he always wanted to get that the ten championships with his goals with ten Australian championships, and my whole goal was to. I haven't actually said this to anyone, not even to him, but my whole goal was to, to get the, the three Australian championships for the Hearn name, to get, to get them to 10. Uh, but obviously my career hasn't worked out to go to Speedway. So it's, um, yeah, I think, you know, my, my whole goal was to sort of emulate what my dad done, um, be successful with him in, in, in the VRD modifieds. I've always loved the cars and I've always wanted to race them. Um, but yeah, as I said, my career's gone a different pathway. But in terms of, you know, who I like, look up to probably even nowadays would probably be Gary. Uh, Rogers, um, but and more or less just for the off-track stuff. You know, he was, he was a bloody good racer in his time, but for a bloke, you know, he's, he's made himself a life. He's got plenty of horses. He's got plenty of time on his hands. He could just retire if he wanted to and live a lot less stressful life and, and just play with his horses all day and, and enjoy time with his family. But, you know, he decides and, and gives a tri- uh, he chooses to um, give young blokes like myself and, and Scott McLaughlin and, and Jimmy Goldie and everyone else a, a shot. And, you know, give us a career, really. Um, without a bloke like Gary, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be, well, I would be racing still, but, you know, I might have another two, three years in, in the sport and then I'll be done uh, and out of money. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, if I ever get to the, to the position in life where I'm affluent enough to, to do the same, uh, it's probably going to be my goal is, is to, you know, bring some young blokes through who don't really have as, as much bank to go racing as, as others. I think that's been a, it's a real bittersweet, you know, story coming from, somewhere where you don't have as much money as others. You know, we have to take the ultimate pathway and at times that can be a real hard way to go about things. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's definitely a lot more rewarding when you do end up getting somewhere in, in, in the career and, you know, it's, you get more of a high off of, off of success when you work for it rather than if it just comes to you. So, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely cool to, to be a part of, of Gary and, and, and his um, legacy, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if I'm ever going to try and be like someone, it'll probably be, be like Gary Rogers as well as my dad, but, but mainly like Gary and, and given, you know, young blokes who aren't directly related to me a, a shot of motorsport. Yeah, look, look, yeah, awesome, awesome words there from you, Nathan, and I'm sure plenty of motorsport drivers and fans completely relate to what you're saying there, and you know, as you said, Gary Rogers, he's brought up a lot of talent over the years, Scotty McLaughlin, uh, you know, Garth Tander, Bargwana, Caruso even gave Wing Cup a start early on in his career and more recently Dylan O'Keefe and James Golding there. 
Talk about 2020 for you, because, you know, it was quite an eventful year for everyone. However, for you, there must have been a roller coaster of emotions, because like you said, you impressed Gary Rogers with all your performances, and he wanted to reward you for those strong performances by putting you in his wildcard entry for Bathurst. Talk about that roller coaster of emotions and what happened there with the super licence issues. Yeah, so that was, um, 2020 was definitely a weird year. Uh, I mentioned before Adelaide and and how that, you know, I, I think it taught me a lot. Um, the biggest lesson it actually taught me was everything happens for a reason and uh, and just don't give up, really. I mean, the drive shaft was a, you know, start of the year. I, I was fuming and, you know, because mechanical DNS took me out of the 2019 championship. Um, and I was fuming at the start of the year like that. But, you know, without that drive shaft failure, I wouldn't have been on Gary's radar and I, I wouldn't be where I am today. And, and same even with COVID. COVID really gave, gave me my career. So we've done the eSports stuff. Um, I went pretty good in the, in the F3 race in Spain uh, against Oscar Piastri. I was the only one to keep up with him. I think we pulled like a 10-second gap in the rest of the field in, in the race. And um, Barry and, and Gary were watching that. And, and, you know, Dad knew Barry through, um, through Volvo trucks. And Barry actually gave Dad a call and said, oh, look, he's going to do an S5000 test. He's obviously he's, he's going to ride in the open wheel on the simulator. Um, and he obviously drives a V8. So you just want to see how he goes in S5000. So we've done that. And... And then S5000 test day, I still remember for 95% of the day, it was just keep it on track and don't spin. For the last session, I knew it was just going to be winning a minute and, and I just gave it the biggest send I could in my life and, and got within five tenths of Jimmy in, on my first day. So they saw that and they were you know, pretty happy with it. So um, I kept in contact with them. And after that, we went to Townsville uh, for the supercars to support them in the tier two. We weren't actually going to do that um, originally, but... You know, I convinced Dad we'll go up there and, and just race, just keep the seat time in us uh, during all the COVID stuff. So we went up there, uh, done that race. And actually talking to, to Barry after the whole super license thing happened, what, what really happened was they were watching, well, Ever, Everingham caught up Gary and, and Barry to, to do the wild card. And um, they were thinking who they're going to put in the car. And, and originally they were thinking, okay. Um, and then after that, they were watching the Townsville tin tops and, and me ragging the car around and we didn't do a setup in the car at all so the car was just loose and, and I was just having fun enjoying racing again and um, they saw the car just moving around and, and you know me lining up the rear tyres and leaving some black marks and some signatures all over the track and um, after that they were, they were happy with that and, and they wanted to put me in so I still remember the day I got sold, 2nd of September um, about the 1000 and you know I, I called in sick to work that day and I was vomiting all night that night and, and just like just hit me like a ton of bricks really and it's the biggest thing in my life um, that happened and then obviously the super license saga started um, and yeah I still remember you know the day I got told it was all off that was probably the hardest day of my life as well um, I still remember I went out for a drive for three hours after work sent off my phone and ended up in Nimbin <laughs> somehow so I was just driving around Nimbin for, for a while and trying to get back home and and, um, yeah, then go back home and, and, you know, talk to the family about it. And I think probably the biggest thing that got me through all that was, you know, all I want to do was lay in bed. Um, share ceiling fan. It happened on the Friday um, when I got told that it wasn't going to happen. So the Saturday morning I woke up at about, you know, 12 o'clock, 12 p.m. Um, and I was just laying in bed, just staring at the ceiling and, and, you know, just gutted with life. And um, and Dad said, look, we're going to get the CO2 ready. We're going to go to Bathurst. So get off your ass and, and come give me a hand. So... It was hard on me, um, but I think that's what really got me through it all. Um, 
you know, I just I just didn't stop. And, and we went to Bathurst and I had a really good weekend. I just felt really in tune with the car. And, and I think I proved to a lot of people that the super license thing was a bit of bollocks and um, I, I deserve the seat. But, you know, as I said earlier in the podcast, uh, I, I'm a strong believer in everything happens for a reason nowadays. And I think that super license at the end of the day was probably a good thing for me. Uh, on top of reflection, I don't think I was very mature enough to do it. Gary and Barry obviously thought I was, and, and I've no doubt I probably would have, you know, gone all right in it. Um, but I definitely think right now I'm, I'm a lot more ready for, for something that big of that calibre, really. And um, I'm a lot more mature than, than what I would have been if I did get that drive. Um, I think if I got that drive, I would have, you know, let it get to my head a little bit and get a bit of an ego about me. Um, and that's the biggest killer of race car drivers and, and potential race car drivers is the, is the ego side of it. You know, they get one one good thing happened to them and, and uh, the ego kicks in. So I think that's, you know, for me, with every step forward, I've had a setback and I think that's kept me grounded and, and I feel like that's sort of helped me with the the whole career aspect of my racing, to be honest. Yeah, I've, I've kept working as hard as it is at the start of day one and um, and I'm just, you know, taking everything, every opportunity I get is, is a blessing and I'm not, you know, taking it for granted. Um, I think I took that Winston Test Day in Supercar for granted. I was, I was you know, uh, egoed up little 18 year old bloke who, who just got his first drive in the supercar and, and I was walking around with chest out and and um yeah so I'm, I'm at the end of the day I'm glad it didn't happen and it's um it's propelled me into the S5000 Trans Am um series obviously that I had this year um and you know doing two categories in one weekend it's definitely been hard that it's just fast track my, my progress my learning and um yeah it's it's, it's been you know at, at the time I thought it was the end of my end of my life and end of my career but um yeah you know upon reflection it was just a minor speed bump in, in the road and um you know it's it's led to uh you know a, a career where i have you know a number of different options where i can go either left or right here so it's um yeah it's, it's a pretty cool thing i guess to, to reflect on yeah and that's an excellent outlook to have on it you know like, like you said when it comes to dealing with those setbacks and bouncing back from them and it's been working with you as well this year like like we've said you linked up with GRM at the moment you got the S5000 program that you completed and the Trans Am series stuff as well tell us are you thinking much further down the track at the moment or are you just stuck in the moment that's a hard one um yeah because obviously you know you need a plan on what you're going to do um you need a plan ahead so that you can you know control your present and um it's you know at the end of the day motorsports just a business um and that's how you got to run it you know you, you run yourself as a driver as a, as a business and a small business starting up um you got to keep all your sponsor relationships and everything like that so and sponsors they don't want someone who's just taking each day as it comes um you know as Vin Diesel says quarter mile time they don't want that they want to see where that money's going to and, and what it can lead into so it's um it's a hard one um because as I've found out the hard way a few times, you never know what's going to happen. You know, tomorrow I might get a call up to go race a NASCAR or some some super like that, and you just got to be ready for it. So I think for me, the biggest thing I've learned is, is with this obviously COVID coming back in and, and cancelling all the racing. I've, I've taken two months of, of just training every day and eating right and and trying to get as fit as possible and and managing the sponsors as much as possible and sort of just got to take every opportunity you get to to do something that's going to help the racing. Um, I moved to Melbourne um, probably three weeks ago now. Uh, and it was only meant to be for three months, but I've, I've, I've just got word off, off Gary and Barry that you know, they want me to stay down for a little bit longer and, and just work with the team. So I'm, I'm going to do that, going to take them up on that offer and um, and just learn as much as I can. I think for me, 
I don't just want to, you know, make it into supercars or NASCAR or IndyCar or whatever I end up in in my career or GTs or anything. I don't just want to end up there. I want to be, you know, someone who leaves a legacy behind and, and someone who, you know, makes a makes a name for myself. I don't want to just be a, a mediocre driver who's, who's just making up numbers. So, at the end of the day, the only way you can do that is, is work hard now. And, and you know, if you, if you have to work and, and go to the gym the week before a race, I mean, you obviously haven't trained hard enough in the lead up to it. So, it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, for me, I'm just trying to keep as busy as possible with racing. I know I've got one shot, I'm 18. I'm still pretty young, um, but time is running out. You know, I'm turning 19 in a month's time, so I've got to really start to, to pull my finger out and, and get me get my life sorted. But for me, Gary and Barry, um, you know, they've, they've got a plan. Um, and, and I think the biggest thing I've learned is just sit down, shut up, listen to Gary, listen to Barry, um, and just enjoy the ride whilst I'm on it. You know, cause it could all end tomorrow or it could go into for the next 10 years. So I've just got to... You know, take it as it comes and see what happens. But, um, yeah, for me, I've just got to trust in them guys and, and, and trust that they won't lead me astray. And I really don't think they will, judging by their previous history. Yeah, most definitely. And like you said, it's still early days, only a few weeks that you've settled into Victoria. What has it been like working in the workshop? Because, you know, it's quite a unique experience and this team obviously has done it with plenty of drivers over the years. How has it been so far? It's been awesome. Um, you know, all the GRM mechanics there, they're not there to, um, you know, because they want to be living in a million-dollar mansion in the Gold Coast or anything like that. They're there to enjoy racing and because they love it, they have the passion for it. So it's it's easy to be mucking around with like-minded people, I think you could say. And, um, you know, they're, they're there to help me. And I think they really do appreciate um, when they – sorry. Uh, they do appreciate when a driver does actually come into the workshop and, and tries to learn. Um you know, Marcus Ambrose obviously is just signed, well, signed up for them and then working for them now. So he's also a, a pot of gold I've been dipping into to try and get some knowledge out of him. We're still competitors, though, in the, in the Trans Am series. So he's, he's not letting me get over the, the Moffat Mustang or, or the Kelly Mustang at all yet. But um, <laughs> I'll keep working on it and then hopefully break down that barrier to, you know, try and transfer some stuff into my car. But, um, no, look, it's, it's been awesome. And, and just trying to take in and, and be sponge, really. I'm, I'm sort of, you know, Studying an hour every night just to make sure that you know I'm learning at the fastest rate possible. Um, I know, yeah, as I said earlier, you know, it might even be tomorrow. I get a call up to go back home, and then I have to go back home or something stupid like that. So I think I'm just going to maximise my time, and, and that's the biggest thing I've learned is just maximise the time and and you know make sure I'm ahead of the ahead of the curve at all times. Um, yeah. And yeah, with GRM, they've obviously got some of the best facilities in in Australian motorsport, and I'd be I'd be mad not to to use the opportunity I have. Yeah, well, you kind of mentioned it there with Marcus Ambrose coming on, coming on board with the team over the past few months. You mentioned NASCAR a few times as maybe a potential avenue for you in the future. What has Marcus had to say to you about that? Because, you know, he went later on in his career and had a lot of success for an Australian competing in NASCAR for the machinery that he was in. What has he had to say about that to you if you wanted to go over and do NASCAR? I haven't really had that chat with him yet. Um, I'm a big believer in, you know, you just got to wait for the right time and, and walk before you, uh, crawl before you walk. Um, the reason I've mentioned NASCAR is obviously I've, I've grown up watching it. I haven't said it yet. I haven't said it in front of him, but, you know, I grew up watching markets. I still remember getting ready before school every day and sure you'd be watching the, the NASCAR on the TV and, and I'll come in and watch it with him whilst I was getting ready for school. So it was, um, yeah, it was pretty cool to, um, to obviously, you know, work with markets, but at the end of the day, he's, he's just a human. So I've, um, 
yeah, it, it's a cool bloke to, to obviously you know take some knowledge off of, and I, w- I will definitely have a chat to him and, and see how uh, achievable the NASCAR route is. I guess you could say. Um, you know, as I said, I barely have enough money to go to supercars uh, if I wanted to, so I don't think NASCAR is much cheaper either. So it's um, yeah, it'll be a hard one to to make it anywhere. Um, I know for a fact my career is still very young, and and I definitely haven't uh, probably made it. Um, as such, where I can start to relax. So I, I'm at the point now where it's either make or break in the next year or two years. Um, so I've just got to, you know, show Gary Barry and, and Marcus I'm, I'm dedicated and I'm ready to go. And, and you know, I, I won't stop in, until I get some results, I guess. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, Marcus has been cool. He's he's, for, he's probably one of the most uh, complete drivers I've, I've met. Um, you know, he just has such a mechanical knowledge and, and engineering knowledge as well and and he's sort of a, a whole kit and caboodle and, and talking to Marcus he wants me to, to sort of be a mini him in a way um, and you know get to know Fab and fabrication and composites and um, working on the floor on both the F5000 and Trans Ams and PCRs and then also doing engineering as well so I've got to really you know pull my finger out knuckle down and, and do some hard study um, you know, I didn't go to uni just for that reason, uh, for that reason, not to study. I, I'm not really a, a book bookworm by any means of imagination, but um, you know, for racing, I'll, I'll make some sacrifices. And um, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I want to try and mark, use Marcus as a bit of a benchmark for myself to try and get to his level of knowledge when he's was he be 50 something years old now. But um, yeah, you know, I'll try and get 50 years worth of knowledge into my brain in in the next however long I'm down here in Melbourne and working with him for. So it's um. I've set myself some pretty high standards, but um, I'd rather set really high goals and, and just come short, of, come up short of them, than just set some mediocre goals and achieve them. So, um, yeah, I think um, you know, with Marcus there, uh, definitely NASCAR's not out of the picture. Um, he's going to the states. You know, if it ends up IndyCar or even just in the speedway form, or or you know, I've got every pathway is open really for me, and um, I think I've proven to the people um, I'm a universal driver. Uh, obviously, the S5000, I didn't end up getting a win this year, um, but I was very close on a couple of occasions. So, um, and obviously, the Trans Am has been going pretty good as well. So, I think the biggest thing for me is winning Trans Am Championship. Um, if I come back to S5000, win the S5000 Championship, um, and just, yeah, I don't know, just, I just got to get, get some wins on the boards, um, get some results, and, and show people I'm working hard and, and you know, ready to take it to the next step. And, and uh, nine times out of ten, should happen. And, um, yeah, you know, I want to be sitting on the porch in 10 years' time. If, I've, if I haven't made it, at least uh, had a crack rather than just in the porch and, and say, you know, I could have been this and, and could have been that. You know, I didn't give it a crack. So it's, um, yeah, I think I've, I've been thinking a lot down the track um, rather than just focusing on what's happening at the moment and, and you know, just, just trying to find myself out of racing, really, and, and you know, do it till, till burnout is, is probably the, the goal. That's awesome. Now, I've got to ask you this, so... Over the recent months, we've had a lot of announcements in supercar land around wildcards for Bathurst. So the first one that surprised many was Russell Ingle teaming up with Brock Feeney. Then we had Greg Murphy teaming up with Richie Stanaway. And jokingly, we had uh, Aaron Seaton and Larry Perkins on and said that they should get together and link up in a Castrol entry. Now, I have to ask yeah. you, because you've talked about Marcus Ambrose. He's on the books here at GRM. Has there been any conversation at all with Gary Rogers trying to get a wildcard entry for this year at Bathurst with Nathan Hearn and Marcus Ambrose. Has there anything like that been going on? 
probably wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, <laughs> I was young, but bloody trend going into this year. But uh, nah, not not really. No, I think um, Gary and Barry, are, I can't really speak for them, but I think they've focused on the ARG stuff and um, and turned that into a big show. Um, and Marcus, I, I think he's you know he's, he's done his career. He's he's, he's had his fun. Um, I think for him, he's sort of just looking to, to the next generation and, and sort of taking the Gary Rogers approach and, and just wants to help help uh, young boys come through. I think that's really a, a very noble thing of him to do. Um, he's, he's had his time, you know, he's had his races, he's had his success, his glory and everything like that. And, and you know, it's only fair if, if he, you know, passed on the, the shroud, I guess, to, to a young bloke coming through. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's hard enough for us to make it um, you know, without the names and also being young and, and without the money. So uh, when you have the same same drivers, you know, coming back through and, and recycling through, it, it makes it even harder taking up seats. So it's, um, yeah, I, I, I yeah, can't speak for Marcus on if he's ever going to come back to racing. Um, from the things I've, I've read and, and heard, I don't think a, a supercars is probably on the card for him. Um, and for definitely this year, I don't think GRM's doing a wild card. They may be doing one. They may just do it last week special or something like that. But, um, yeah, for now, yeah, definitely not. That's all right. That's all right. Look, like you said, you want to try and win the championship in the Trans Am Series this year. After that, what are the plans for next season? Um, well, we're, we're working on a few things. And um, that's, as I said before, I just got to trust Gary and Barry and, and Marcus and see where they all lead it to. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm just, you know, rolling with the punches, sit down sharp, roll with them. And um and just enjoying the ride. So yeah. So so Gary, Barry, Marcus, they're sort of taken over the uh the I guess you could say the business side of, of the racing for me. And I'm just sort of there to, to go along with it and then be the, the face of it. But um also, you know, keep it under control I guess. Um, you know, as much as the effort and work the effort into it, I've I've got to double it. Um, obviously being the, the driver and I've got to show to them that I, I am committed and, and working for it. Um, but yeah, so for, for next season, uh, definitely Trans Am, um, S5000, we're, we're talking through at the moment, and um, yeah, we'll talk about some any anything else that hops up in the future. You know, I may as well go for triple duties in 2021, uh, uh, in 2022, sorry. Um, just keep, you know, building up, I guess. Just show, show them diverse drive. I think that's the biggest thing nowadays is, is not focus on one car. And I mean, you need to focus on the one championship and, and go well on that. Uh, it's definitely a thing, but um, I think you also need to to branch out and and in in this you know modern day market where there's um, so many different categories popping up around the place and so many different disciplines of racing and and you know everyone's sort of getting to that point where it's, it's so hard to make it now without any money. You need you need either corporate backing or or um, the rich dad backing. So it's um it's a it's a hard one to. to to do so for me I've, I've taken a bit of an alternative strategy um and and just trying to hop in anything that, that comes up and then you know drive the race car and hopefully go well on it and so far so good uh but yeah we'll keep chipping away at it next season just see what happens i don't, I don't think you know plan, plans aren't well the best plans are generally made the week out so um yeah we'll, we'll um yeah hopefully be able to announce something soon of something big but um yeah for now it's just sort of keep going with what we're doing and, and just see where it takes us. That's awesome. And Nathan, just before we let you go, one of the things we like to do here on the podium is when we get a driver on, we ask them about what advice they'd have for kids coming up through motorsport. Obviously, you're still very young, only 18. However, as you've mentioned already, you've got lots of experience with 
learning from some very experienced names in the motorsport world. What advice would you be giving kids working their way up through the ranks in karting? Um, the biggest thing I've definitely learned is, um, I think to summarise it all, is, is if you're a young bloke coming through the ranks, just, you know, you've got two, three years, set yourself a, a real short-term goal and, and torture yourself for those two, three years to, to really work hard and, and to really give it a crack. And if it doesn't work out, then at least you can say that you've, you've done as much as you can. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people say they're working hard and, and, you know, reflect back on it in years to come and, and say, oh, I should have done this, should have done that. And, and you, you know, you're only going to um, get as far as the contacts you have and, and meeting people as well. Networking is the biggest thing um, to, to do. Um, you know, just talk to everyone you meet, any team owners you meet, talk to them, ask them for advice on how to make it. Um, even other drivers, you know, if, if someone, if a young bloke comes to me and I, um, if you got any advice, how would you make it? Then I'd 110%, you know, try and share any wisdom I have. Very limited wisdom, but I'll try and share any of it. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, networking and, and just, you know, just be careful with um, the finances, I guess. So it's um, it's such a hard world and, and, you know, you can easily get burnt by it and, and you know, think twice before you act is, um, is probably another one. So there's, there's a, a million things. I could probably go on for about an hour with, with different bits of advice I've learnt that, um yeah, it's it's a complete package world, so you need to really um to really yeah break through. I guess it's it's a it's a very generic question and a very hard one to answer. That's all right. That's all right. Well, you've done a very good job answering it there. Like you said, still very early on in your career, and I'm sure plenty of highlights still to come. Nathan Hearn, thanks so much for joining us on the podium. All the very best for the remainder of the motorsport season. Cheers, thank you, Matt. No, cheers, thanks for having me.